Welcome to Ride With Us. Ride With Us. Presented by the American Coaster Enthusiasts, a group of super fans with a mission to appreciate, promote, and preserve roller coasters around the globe. Around the globe. It's time to keep your hands and feet inside the podcast at all times. Here's your hosts, Clint Novak and Chris Roberry. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Ace Ride With Us podcast. My name is Chris Roberry. Hi, fellow enthusiasts. I am Elizabeth Ringus. Well, Elizabeth, it is the week of IAPA as we record this, and I'm just a little excited. How about you? I absolutely cannot wait to get my feet back on that show floor and see so much from the industry and friends. It's really going to be, it's a party, but it's a different type of party this year. I think it's going to be sort of that return to normal and okay, let's go from here sort of thing, as opposed to where it was just party at all week and work really hard during the day. You are right, Chris. And I think so too. I think we're going to all be a little more aware and slow down and more self-care. That's something I feel like we've all been more aware of coming out of this pandemic. And it's something we can take Diapa with us to ensure that we're the best we can be during the week. Absolutely. And don't fret, everybody. Mr. Novak is still around. He's just been so slammed with IAPA that he wasn't able to make it. So you know there's some good stuff coming to the front line of Fredericksburg if he's had to work that hard that he has to miss an ACE podcast. <laughs> also, we're going to be talking later on in this episode with Marcus LeShock from WGN-TV. He is the self-anointed roller coaster bureau chief for the station, but also is a wonderful podcaster, a incredible reporter, and a major coaster enthusiast who you might be seeing at several events this year and may have seen him around quite a bit too. He knows his stuff, Elizabeth, that's for sure. Yes, he does. And when you talk about passion, he embodies passion for roller coasters, doesn't he? Oh, it just oozes out of him. Absolutely. It's incredible. And we're going to wrap things up today by talking about Well, the thing that's just around the corner, which scary as it might be, it's the holidays. So we'll talk about some cool gift ideas that you might have for maybe that coaster enthusiast that you really have a hard time buying for. We might have some ideas for you. But first, before we go any further, Elizabeth, it is time for the Ace Event Rundown. The holidays are upon us, and with them come the gift of events across the country for Ace members. Let's start off on Saturday, December 4th, where there's three great events to choose from. In the Golden State, Ace Northern California is holding their annual holiday party, this year at Six Flags Discovery Kingdom. Be sure to bring a gift for the White Elephant Exchange. Visit acenorcal.org for more info. You could also join Ace Eastern Great Lakes region that same Saturday for their holiday party at the Great Wolf Lodge in Mason, Ohio. Or you could head out to Ace New Jersey's region for their a Christmas Storybook Land event. On December 11th, head out to the Lone Star State for Ace South Central's Feliz Fiesta at Six Flags Fiesta, Texas. And on December 12th, join Ace Southern California for their holiday at Castle Park. Finally, for those of you planning ahead, three of Ace's most popular off-season events are on the horizon in January. No Coaster Con in the Ace Western Great Lakes region, Winterfest in the Ace South Central region, and East Coaster in the Ace Eastern Pennsylvania region. For a complete list of all the upcoming events that will fill your winter, 
And there's some other fun virtual things coming that you can watch far from ACE. Check it out at www.aceonline.org backslash events. Definitely check that out. Well, Elizabeth, as we alluded to earlier, it is the week of IAPA. As we record this, the show is just about to get underway. So all the announcements and all the great stuff that's coming in 2022, not quite out there just yet. But ACE has something really special that you want to share, don't they? I am so excited for what everybody's going to get to see in our booth. So make sure you log on our social media platforms at 9.30 Tuesday morning before the show ever starts. And we're going to give you a sneak peek of something special that's going to be premiering in our booth. That special addition to our booth that's coming out this year is kicking off a year of Connected by Coasters. Cool. It is going to get to be all about the year of the member. We're going to learn about why hobbies are good for our mental health, but we're also going to talk about all the special things people do within their love of coasters. Because have you ever noticed you start a conversation about coasters and then you hear all about what else somebody does in the coaster world, Chris? I mean, it's every time I'm in line and I meet up with a fellow ACE member, inevitably we talk about coasters, but then you learn something else about them. Like, oh, that's really cool. So we're going to be talking about all the different kinds of roller coaster enthusiasts and what they're actually enthusiastic about. Because how many people have written a book after they enjoyed some coasters? They had never written a book before, but coaster enthusiasm drew that out of them. That's what we're going to spend this year talking about. Man, that's going to be so cool to be able to learn about all our fellow ACE members out there and really get to know everyone on a much different level. That's one of the cool things about this organization, right? Is that we really, we say that we're a family, but now we're going to get to learn so much more about them. You're exactly right, Chris. And in that, we're going to launch in the new year, a Discord where ACE members will be able to have a conversation about all the things they love. We're going to create moderated conversations that help everybody have a safe space to learn, to express their opinion, to respond to others' opinions, and to make it a safe and healthy environment, not a harsh and hurtful one. It's be a nice place to have there online. There can be a lot of vitriol sometimes, and it would certainly be nice to be able to have a place where you can go and just be able to discuss things and relax and, and not have to have your guard up the entire time, you know? That's exactly right. And we want people to have that fun conversation again, just like you're chatting with somebody in line. We want you to get to have that on social media as well. We're going all in with a Discord and are looking forward to launching that. I'm really excited to see how that develops too. That's going to be a lot of fun to see. So you heard it here first, folks, about the cool Discord and the Connected by Coasters movement. Is that what you want to call that or... I think that's a good thing to call it. I like movement. And, you know, I mentioned safe space. We're going all in because we are also embracing the idea of live who you are, be who you are. And so that discord will be welcoming to everyone. We want everybody to feel like they can express their coaster enthusiasm, no matter who they are, where they're from, or what their background is, or what their coaster count is. Cool. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to it. And I know after hearing this, I bet a lot of the ACE members are as well. So cannot wait for that information to come out a bit more. Do we have a rough launch date? It's looking like February launch. So something to look forward to in those cold, dead days of winter. There's still going to be coasters and fun stuff to talk about. I can't wait. Well, recently I had an opportunity to sit down with Marcus Lashock, who's a reporter and anchor for WGN-TV up in Chicago. And Marcus, let's just say, is 
a coaster enthusiast, but he's more than just an enthusiast. He took his passion for riding rides and actually turned it into his job, Elizabeth. I think that's the perfect Connected by Coasters example. Who wouldn't want to get paid for their hobby and really get to enjoy it even more? I don't know about you, but my dream for years, of course, was, yes, I would like to get paid to go ride roller coasters. I think that's kind of everybody's you know, quiet dream in their back of their head that, oh, yes, I would love to do that. But Marcus gets to live that. Now, that doesn't mean that he's not working because it takes a lot of work to be able to do these things. But he has so much fun doing it that it almost looks like he's not working. But don't tell his boss that. So with that, we sat down with Marcus to learn a little bit more about him, how he became the roller coaster reporter, and what his favorite ride would be if he had a chance to bring one back from the dead. Check it out. Everybody, I am so excited today to be talking with Marcus Lashock. He is an anchor, reporter, feature reporter for WGN Morning News. Oh, and he also happens to be the roller coaster bureau chief for the station as well, though I don't think that's an official title, but I've seen it on his resume, so maybe it actually is. How are you, Marcus? I'm good. Shame on you for not believing in the roller coaster bureau at WGN. Uh, I'm appalled and I might just hang up. Uh, but yes, it is a bureau of one. Currently, there is one member of the bureau at the station. It's always open for more people, but so far nobody has applied to join the bureau. So I remain chief until uh, further notice. So there you go. Well, I find that hard to believe. Now you're going to get about 15 emails today just saying, I want to be part of the roller coaster bureau. I want to be part of it. Doubt it. Because <laughs> it involves work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, obviously, you're in the media. So what got you started in roller coasters specifically? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, I, I grew we're in Chicago, in case people don't know, WGN TV is in Chicago. Grew up in the Chicago area. So Six Flags Great America is my home park. Uh, you know, when I grew up, it was Marriott's Great America. Um, and I just always loved going there with my dad and, uh, you know, my mom, too, and the family. But it was like my dad and I, that was our thing we did on the weekends. We went to Six Flags a lot and, uh, you know, rode coasters. And I just I just always had this. I was scared to ride a lot of big roller coasters until I was probably in like fifth or sixth grade. But even before then, I was always obsessed with them. Just about like the things they could do. And, you know, when I grew up, I'm, I'm 40, right? So I, I was born in 1980. So anybody's younger listening to this, like I didn't have the internet when I grew up. So you had to like, you had to really scrounge around to find like coffee table books or VHS tapes of roller coasters around the world. So you were always trying to look for either magazines or something that, you know, had, and I just loved reading about the biggest and greatest coasters out there. So I don't really know where it came from there was just something i was always interested in until i got brave enough to step on a shockwave at great america that was the first big looping ride that i ever went on and i went on that and i was absolutely hooked loved it and uh, i've been obsessed ever since you know, it's funny because you and i actually have a very similar upbringing i was born in 84 some norwellian baby but i had the exact same experience of course Growing up in the Bay Area, I was at the other Marriott's Great America, the first yeah. one. Just want to rub that in, but not necessarily the better at some points of its life. But you're right. Before the internet, you had to hope that you had some sort of connection. In my case, it was my grandma who worked for the city of Santa Clara, and she'd bring me press releases. And we would go for our one annual trip a year to the uh, company picnic for the city of Santa Clara, and it was always at Great America. 
And that's how it sort of started for me. But I was always fearful of them as well. And something happened, I guess, for you, obviously, on Shockwave. And for me, it was the tidal wave at Great America, where all of a sudden you realize, no, these things are big and scary, but gosh, they sure are a lot of fun. Yeah, that was when it became all the fear went away and it became officially fun. Like it was, oh, this is awesome. Instead of, wow, that looks terrifying. Ever Then it was just like, I want to see the bigger one. I want to go on that one. Let's go drive to this place and go on that. But yeah, I think a lot of it is just the, the fear of the unknown, like the anxiety that builds up. Um, and there are some people that actually get on roller coasters and like, I don't like them or I didn't like that. But I think for a lot of people, it's just the anxiety of getting on the thing. But once you're on it, it's a great time for the most part. There is something definite about once you're strapped in on a ride and it dispatches. You are not stopping. You are going to go through this regardless of what you think. (laughs) Correct. Yeah. You know, and the great thing about working in the business, and I think even back then was just researching all the rides, like, you know, I never had any concern about safety either, like, because you knew exactly how these were built, how they were designed, especially now, even compared to when I grew, when I grew up, it was different. Um, not there were, there weren't, they were safe, but they weren't nearly as safe as they are now with the computer systems and everything else that are in place. And especially today, when you really get to the, you get to the nuts and bolts of a roller coaster and like everything that goes into keeping you safe between all the sensors that are on the ride and everything else, like I feel absolutely secure in that thing more so than the car ride driving over right they always have a joke in aviation that you're actually safer on a plane going 600 miles an hour at 36,000 feet than you are driving your family to the airport to get to that flight and it's very similar with rides you know it's funny that you always hear about there's a fatal accident on the freeway and it doesn't even make the news it makes the traffic report in the morning or evening but it doesn't ever make the news but goodness forbid if a roller coaster stops on the lift hill, you know, that part with yeah. the actual stairs next to it. Oh my goodness. Live team coverage. Here comes the helicopter and you got coverage for days. Yeah. And I think, you know, being in the media and being an enthusiast, lifelong enthusiast, that's, that's one of the things I've really been trying to educate some of my peers about, you know, uh, of course there are times when accidents do happen and they mm-hmm. deserve coverage and they deserve investigations, to figure out what the heck went wrong on a roller coaster. But those cases, like you said, when most of the time when a ride stops on a lift hill, that means the, the ride's working, right? Like the safety system's working on the ride. It's telling the operators like, Hey, don't send this car. Uh, something's on the track or whatever's going on. Like, just check it out. That's a good sign. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't know that. And honestly, I don't think the parks have done as good enough job really educating guests about what happens when a roller coaster stops like that. And I'm not quite sure why. I don't know if it's just something they don't want to talk about. Um, You know, they don't want to bring up the fact that roller coaster stops sometimes. I don't know what it is, but I think if more people were educated about exactly why these things happen, all the safety things that are going on, they'd probably feel a lot better if they were on the coaster and it stopped. But people in my business too, like I just, sometimes I see some of those reports, like you said, and I cringe because like some of the things they're saying are just wrong and and inaccurate and just very, um, I don't, I don't know. Like, it's just, uh, it gets a little sensational sometimes with some of the helicopters up, but you know, if you're, if it's another point in a roller coaster, is like stuck upside down and people are hanging in it. Yeah, that's warranted a helicopter, right? Like that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. yeah, you know, but if it's an ordinary thing of just a ride, you know, up on a lift hill or a ride valleyed out or something, you know, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Couldn't agree with you more. And I think a lot of people don't realize that 
of course, being in the media, you have to report the news, right? And if you see that and you're not used to it, sure, that would definitely be newsworthy. But it affects a lot more than just, say, the park image. You know, when when a ride has a potential issue like that, it also eventually gets back to any manufacturer that built it. Anybody who had a hand in constructing it or, you know, has a control system on it, anything like that, it all eventually does filter down to them. And, you know, in many cases, it's not warranted that they get that flack. But it still happens. And it you're right, it is unfortunate. So I'm glad to hear that you know, we've got somebody <laughs> in the media who there who's fighting for coaster for coaster rights, <laughs> for fighting for educating people about what's actually going on there. Yeah, I was sure. always amazed. Cedar Point is a great example of the antithesis of that, right? So when Top Drill Dragster has a rollback anywhere else, that is going to be considered newsworthy. But at Cedar Point, it is something that is to be celebrated. In fact, you actually right. got a double rollback, if I'm not I mistaken. Did. Yeah, and I put that on TV, and that's one of my most popular videos probably I've ever had. But that was a rarity. Absolutely. Had on camera. Had on camera was cool. Yeah, I mean, you could just hear all the, the angry emails and tweets coming like, you got a double rollback. What's up with that? Right. <laughs> but again, yeah. it, it goes back to being, that was something that was celebrated, and you made it so clear that this is a good thing. This means that, okay, so the ride didn't quite make it. That means you're getting a, an extra half of a ride. In your case, you got a whole full ride just on half of the track. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's wonderful. Right. And, and I wish more people were, were like that. So thank you. First of all, goodness. Yeah, no, no problem. And I'm, I'm grateful that I got the opportunity to do that. Um, it was, uh, that was cool. And you never think that you're ever going to have that happen to you on the ride. So um it was neat and yeah i mean that's just physics right like the ride needs a certain amount of momentum to go up 420 feet and get over the top and it was a colder morning that day and it was a little bit rainy before that was, a, was right when the park opened so it's a little chilly like it just doesn't run as fast so that's really that's it that's all that happened nothing else was going to happen to you but yeah i mean and of course with top thrill drags you can't mention it without mentioning the accident that just happened like that's a good example of something that is newsworthy right mm -hmm. what happened with that accident recently top that closed top thrill dragster like that's a news story that should be covered that should be investigated and everyone at cedar point will tell you that too i mean they'll tell you that yeah we need to investigate this this is a big deal so um those are sort of the things in the news like news judgment you know after a while if you're in the news you just you know looking at it saying like okay this is like a very rare important event and other things like okay a ride stopping on a lift hill that's common right that's not cause for chaos really whereas the other accidents like that are like okay what the heck happened here and how can we make sure that doesn't happen again and i still think there's a stigma out there that parks don't care about safety there could be no further thing from the truth. No, the that's last not thing you want is to make the news for some sort of thing that was preventable. And yeah. it's, it's part of self-policing the industry. You know, back in the 20s, parks openly advertised that rides killed people and the lines got longer somehow. <laughs> Thankfully, we've kind of evolved from that. <laughs> right. And, and, and I absolutely agree with you. Um, and it's not my job. And this other thing, like as a, you know, as a journalist and a reporter, like it's not my job to be a spokesperson for the parks either to like, I'm not, I'm not here to promote 
these parks and their brands and everything else. I'm here to just kind of tell a story. And yeah, I do love roller coasters and I love theme parks. So that is absolutely true. I love going to these places, but new, like, you know, my job is to tell a story and give information of what's going on. And, but I will tell you that like, and you know this too, like going to these parks and meeting people and actually being there before parks open and seeing the inspections and things that go on and the work that goes on from the maintenance crews, like they do really care. Like when something about like that happens at a place, the people that work there, that's crushing to them. Like that is stuff that keeps them up at night and makes them sick, you know? And, uh, I really, it's just, it's, it's horrible all the way around when stuff like that happens, you know, and it's, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you got to answer for when that stuff happens and really come out and be like, all right, this is what happened. And here's what we're doing to make sure that when you walk into that place, you feel safe going on their attractions. So speaking of work, Marcus, how do you get the inspiration to go to your bosses and say, you know what? I think I want to be the roller coaster bureau chief for WGN. How does that come about? Uh, well, actually becoming the roller coaster bureau chief, um, that was not a conversation with my bosses. That was just something I just, uh, announced myself on television. So, uh, that's kind of how that happened. Covering roller coasters kind of started, you know, I, I was just at WGM for like a year or so when X-Flight opened at uh, Six Flags Great America, two or three years at that point. And so they sent me there to cover that because, you know, I love coasters. Sure. And I did a feature on that. And it was, you know, it was great. Had a lot of fun on the ride. But then after that, I convinced my boss because, you know, I ran into some people there. And they were like, this ride's opening at, in Branson at Silver Dollar City, Outlaw Run. That uh, wooden roller coaster does goes upside down a bunch of times. And I was like, wow, that sounds crazy. So I convinced my boss to, you know, allow me to drive down there. And I would blog along the way, kind of make it like a travel segment. Where, sure. like, you Places you can go from Chicago, driving. And so I did some blogs along the way, places you can stop. And then I taped this feature on Outlaw Run and they, he loved the piece. Like the piece was very popular, did really well online. You know, that ride was crazy, right? Like just ro- wooden roller coaster that did things no other wooden roller coaster had ever done, you know, successfully. Kind of turned it in from there, like a little travel segment. So I could go, you know, different places, usually like within driving distance of Chicago, like Dollywood, you can get there nine hours, Cedar Point's like four and a half hour drive, like places like that. And Holiday World in Indiana and Kings Island, Cincinnati. So just like trying to do that. And it became kind of a bit on our morning show. And um, the other anchors kind of poke fun at me a little bit about it, being a nerd. And we all like on our show, we all kind of have our own shticks, like our own things that are, are they encourage us to uh, pursue our interests and turn those into segments because then the audience kind of gets to know you a little bit. And mm-hmm. They know each of us loves certain things. And that became my thing. And it became kind of a brand. And uh, thankfully, I, I do it because I love it. Like, I love going to parks and I love riding newest and greatest coasters. And thankfully, the audience likes watching it. So, um, you know, I'm a cheap date. I don't I don't spend a lot of money when I go on the road and that kind of thing. So it's not like I come home with a huge bill for the boss to foot or anything like that. But yeah, and that's the other thing. People ask me, like, does the park pay you to come? No, they don't. On a media day, they invite you in because, mm-hmm. of course, it's not open to public and all that stuff. But no, I mean, pay my, we pay our own way, pay our own flight, pay our own hotel, all that stuff. So, yeah, that's how that's really how it happened. It just kind of happened out of nowhere. And all the titles I made up on my own and uh, just gave those to myself. And so far, I haven't had a cease and desist from the company. So that's good. That's always a positive, I suppose, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> What made you become an ACE member? That took a while, actually. I don't know why it took so long to do that, but uh, Jeff Peters in Chicago area was always getting on me about it. 
And uh, I was always um, going to, I, I was going to the No Coaster. I went to, I think it was when I first went to No Coaster Con. You mm-hmm. know, I don't know if people know what that is, but, you know, in the Chicago area, we have every winter, we have an event. And it, it's like a, you go inside a banquet hall and a bunch of parks. It's like an all day thing, like 12 hours. And a bunch of parks come, they send representatives and they talk to you about the latest and greatest things that are coming to their parks. You sit there and watch presentations for about 12 hours. This was like heaven to me, like just sitting in there in a room, listening to theme parks, present new stuff. Not to mention the free stuff. Yeah. And they give goodies out, you know, they give you either free tickets or like little merchandise or whatever. And I was like, Oh, you get to do this stuff with ACE. Like that was cool. And then I realized once you get it, you get this awesome magazine, the roller coaster magazine. Um, So I joined and it's a great, to me, it's a great value. I'm not here to like sell ACE to anybody, but (laughs) I was like, man, I should have joined this a long time ago. And so, yeah, that's why I joined. I finally, I finally joined. And I'll tell you the reason I didn't join was because I always said, you know, there's these events across the country, like the coaster towns and stuff. My kids are too young. Like my son's too young and I spend so much time. I really prioritize my family on the weekends. And so it's like, I don't want to take them to like a coaster event with Ace and they can't ride anything, you know? So I was like, once they get older, we'll join that and go. But I just pulled, I finally just pulled the trigger and joined it. And I'm glad I did. And I believe we still offer the family membership too. So that even helps out a lot more. So you don't get the individual accounts. You can just get the one family. So the whole the shock clan can head on out on an Ace account. Let's talk a little bit about what makes a ride good for you. Like Hmm. what is... What makes a coaster stand out for being really good and without, don't want you to go completely into your top 10 or anything like that, but really what makes a ride stand out for Marcus Lashock? I like to be surprised. I like to be on a ride and then feel like, whoa, that did something that I wasn't expecting. Like for last time I saw you, I was at Six Flags Over Texas, right? And I yep. was on the new Texas Giant for the first time, not a new ride, uh, 10 years old this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's that right before you hit the brake run on new Texas giant, there's that airtime Hill right there. That's like, it's not the biggest, it's not the first drop. It's not like the biggest bank turn, but it is just, it comes out of nowhere and you're like, Whoa, <laughs> like, the rotate out of your scene comes out of nowhere. I love that stuff. When rides pack those sort of things into them. I love that. And I just, People say like, are you, are you a wood coaster guy or steel coaster guy? I'm not really any of those. And I don't, you know, I don't like a ride that I feel s- sore after I ride it necessarily, especially the older I get, but I just like, you know, and it doesn't even have to be the fastest ride or the craziest ride, just a ride that's like really well designed and fun, you know, where you get off and like, I want to ride that again and again, like Velocicoaster I went on you know, this year and I only get to ride it once, but I'm telling you, that's probably my number one coaster. And it's not a record breaker. It doesn't do anything faster, taller, anything. It just does everything better. Right. And it doesn't necessarily do anything new per se. I mean, there's a couple little elements there that might be, they could say it's somewhat new. Maybe that last barrel roll has some kind of weird design to it. That's different or something, but it's not, there's nothing on it where it's like, wow, that was the first time i've ever experienced that but it's just so it, i went on with my wife and and she doesn't she likes coasters but she tends to get a little more like nauseous and like I, she doesn't like going upside down and all that she, that ended and she's like that is the best thing i've ever been on like, that is amazing and i want to ride it over and over again and she doesn't like um necessarily going upside down and doing all that stuff she was blown away by it. i agreed it was just it was perfect from start to finish re 
like just smooth as can be. I can't imagine what it's like at night. The theming's incredible. So you put all those elements together. And to me, that's what makes a great ride where it ends and you're like, I want to get right back in the line again and go on this. Phoenix at Knobles is another ride like that. Like, man, I could ride that all day and you just giggle the whole time you're on it because you're just flying out of your seat up and down, up and down. And, you know, looking at someone you're with and their reaction to it. It's just awesome. Like rides like that. Like I just, I just love it. I love it. And I love having fun. It's great. Yeah, I could not agree with you more about Velocicoaster. I finally got a chance to ride it this weekend and you are spot on. It just does everything so well and it does it at just the perfect pace. And it was surprising at every turn. Even if you got a chance to ride it two times, it still caught you off guard in so many places. And sadly, I didn't get a chance to ride it at night. So all you Floridians, congratulations. You have an amazing ride there. And I think they know it. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's perfect. It's a perfect ride. It's, it blew away. I had so, so much expectations. It blew away my expectations. And I'm exceedingly jealous that that exists there. And I don't have it in my backyard. But again, that's not a ride that's like 400 feet tall. Like anybody could really build a ride like that at their park. I mean, the theming and stuff and the money that was spent on that, probably not. But as <laughs> far as like the actual coaster goes, man, that thing is it's, it's great. It's just perfect. So quick hypothetical here. If by some strange reason, Universal said, okay, you Intamin, you can just drop that ride anywhere else, that exact design, like a roller coaster tycoon, copy paste, and they could drop it into Gurney up there by you. Do you still think it would be as good without all the theming and just without the location? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's really hard. Uh, I do think so. I think it would be really fun. But if you just had track and some trees, probably not especially the first half of the ride would probably not be as exciting without all the near misses and the dinosaurs and the rock formations and stuff like that. But, you know, if they could manage to do that at great America, which I think they could, if they really wanted to spend the money and the detail on it, um, would they, I don't know, but, um, yeah, I think of course I would want a ride like that. I mean, I would, I would love it, but, um, you know, they've got, a lot of they had some great they worked with the space really well too right like they just they really packed that in there in that location using the water just perfectly like this is amazing design whoever all the team behind that that they deserve like the biggest credit and like taking the bomb i'm so glad i've seen them on twitter too like just constantly still retweeting people's commentary it's got to feel so good for them to work on that for so long and then see how it turned out just a really awesome achievement most definitely, and certainly worthy of winning a golden ticket for best new ride of 2021 by far. Yeah, I would. That's I'd give it my vote. That's for sure. <laughs> Are you a voter by chance? I don't think so. No. All right, we need to change that. I'll let Tim Baldwin know, and you'll get on the list. Yeah, you know, I know Tim very well. He's never asked me, so uh, you know, I don't want to strong arm him <laughs> and put any pressure on Tim. But uh, you know, I've only been on a hundred coasters, so you know, a lot of the people that vote. You know, I'm sure I've been on like three, four hundred rides. So I don't know that I really have the uh, cred to lend a vote to that sort of thing. But um, I would, of course, do it if I was had the honor to do it. But I understand if I'm not quite at that level yet. So, Marcus, one last question before we wrap things up. If there was a ride that you could bring back from the dead, what would it be and why? Oh man. Be like a James Lipton moment here. Yeah. 
If you were a coaster, <laughs> what is your favorite coaster curse word? What element would you be? <laughs> um, I would, gosh, you know, if I could bring one back from the dead, because a lot of rides die for a good reason, right? Oh, I know. I totally know. I know right. this. This is, a, this is a great answer if you're from the Chicagoland area. I would bring back the Bobs. Which was a roller coaster at Riverview in Chicago. I never got to go to Riverview. Closed before, um, of course, well before I was born. But uh, that was a ride. My mom would tell me stories. She's a ride with my grandfather. My grandfather was a smoker, and uh, he always had his cigarettes in his shirt pocket and his lighter in his shirt pocket. And every time they went on the bobs, he would have to put his finger up because his cigarettes and his lighter would come out of his shirt pocket. When they went down the first hill, he had to push them down because the <laughs> airtime was so great. Back then, you didn't really secure your loose objects and everything like you do now, you know. Right. So, but that just everyone says they went on that ride. It was just bananas, and it was wild, and it was. Um, everyone talks about that ride like it was the greatest coaster ever. I don't know if that's nostalgia talking, or if it legitimately was. But if I man, if I won the lottery, I always say this: like that billion dollar Powerball comes out, I always buy a ticket because if that happened, I would call Alan Shilke. And I'd be like, listen, we're getting the blueprints of this thing. I'm going to find an open field and you're going to build this and I'm going to ride it. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I don't know what I'm going to do. I might just put it in my backyard or something at my mansion or whatever. I just want to ride this thing and see what it would be like. So that would be my answer to that. Like I, that's a ride that's near and dear to Chicagoans hearts. And I wish I had the opportunity to ride it. So that would be my pick. Well, I know you've certainly made a lot of people in the Chicagoland area happy and certainly made Eric Boardman happy. That was his favorite ride too. He was the host of those many coaster specials back in the day. And he always talks about how much he misses the bobs. So way to go, Marcus, you have made a new friend there out in California as well. So yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. well, thank you so much, Marcus, for coming on the podcast with us. We really appreciate it. And uh, where can folks see you and where can they find you? Yeah, uh, great. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, WGN TV Morning News every day, Monday through Friday, where I'm from 4 to 10 a.m. Uh, in Chicago. Uh, but I also am on social media. You can find me everywhere. Just Marcus Lashock on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And I have a YouTube channel, which is uh, I don't post on it as much as some of the regular YouTubers do, but I try to update it as much as possible. It's got a lot of my rides and everything on there, trying to do more vlogging and that kind of stuff. So just search Marcus Lashock on YouTube and uh, MarcusLashock.com is my personal website where you can find other kinds of stuff and ways to contact me there. So thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. Thank you for coming on and for sharing the world's shortest log flume ride with me the last time you were here at Over Texas. That was great. And uh, that was the first ever log flume ride, right? That's the one. That's, That's the, the one. And, ever. and you went on about 1% of it. Yeah, we got, uh, I would say about eight seconds of the ride in before we needed to be evacuated from it um everyone was okay thankfully uh, we were fine um but uh it's my first ever time being evacuated from a log flume ride especially basically in the station being evacuated from the ride which was, which was great but uh I, I take it that's pretty much the experience on that attraction a lot of people have incidents like that that happen but um yeah maybe one day i'll get to ride the full thing see what it's like We'll look forward to that day. And until then, Marcus, have a great night and we will uh, hopefully see you at a park or at least online real soon. Thanks. Well, Elizabeth, the Riverview Park Bobs is certainly one of the most popular bring it back coasters, I think, in terms of rides people would like to see maybe be resurrected at one point. What's a ride that you really want to see come back? 
for me, it's right along the same lines there. It's Racing Wolf Bobs from Geauga Lake. Well, I would certainly love to be able to put a bow on it and deliver it to your house over there on the East Coast. But unfortunately, I don't think I'll be able to do it this year. Maybe next year. But instead, what's something that I might be able to give you or maybe any coaster enthusiast who might be really hard to get a gift for this holiday season? Top of my list is the NRCMA goodies that were recently nominated for a brass ring during IAPA. I love those designs. So that's definite for me. Well, I mean, I'm biased, of course, because I helped out with those. But the uh, the National Roller Coaster Museum and Archives posters and the other accessories that uh, they've come out with have been, they're really cool. And it's definitely one of those rare items that if you are a coaster fan and haven't had a chance to check them out yet, boy, that's that will definitely get you some uh, kudo points for any coaster enthusiast if you can get those. You know, for me, something that I've always loved is the Ace merchandise. And I think that Ace has done such a great job of having that out there, not only the retro merchandise with the old retro seventies logo, but the new merchandise with that brand new modern clean logo. Oh, it's really, really nice. And it's a great way to express how much you love being an ACE member. Plus you're wearing ACE merchandise at a uh, park. You're going to find another ACE member to come up and say hi. (laughs) Yes, you are. And if not an ACE member, you're going to meet somebody new in line and share the joy of ACE with them. I agree with you, Chris. The merchandise we have now is great. Last Christmas, I got the quarter zip um, pullover, and it is by far one of my favorite things to wear. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the uh, blue polo shirt. Always looks good no matter what. Even if you're out in a park, it still looks fancy, but not too fancy. So you can still go out and do stuff and then have a nice dinner afterward, no problem. So Elizabeth, can members gift ACE memberships to other people so that they can come and enjoy and have all the fun with us? Yes, they can. It's super easy to gift an ACE membership. I mean, just purchase it and then they activate it when they're ready to make their membership happen. So you got that friend out there who said, that's really cool what you do. And then says, I want to go with you. Like, okay, well, get an ACE membership. Well, guess what? Boom. There you go. Give them the gift of ACE. You're exactly right. It makes a great family gift too, because your second person is only $20 and everyone after that is only five. So you can gift it to the whole family and look like their hero. I mean, come on, you're going to have significantly less waiting in line during those ERT sessions, all the cool special events. It's pretty awesome to be an ACE member, not going to lie. And you might be able to come on the podcast, you know, just saying, throw that out there. You're exactly right. And don't forget about CoasterCon. Oh my goodness, that's right. CoasterCon, which in 2022, if I'm not mistaken, Cedar Point. Yeah, it's going to be off the rails. Awesome. It's going to be ridiculous. So you and a couple hundred of your best friends who love coasters at America's Roller Coast, but you can only do it if you're an ACE member. Come on, get your membership now and enjoy all those benefits. And then CoasterCon is that cherry on top. So if folks are looking for maybe like a list of the gifts and, and ideas, uh, what, how can we help them out with that? It's going to be right up on the ACE website here shortly. We'll have our updated gift guide with all your possible goodies that you can snag from parks across the nation and even some internationally, because a lot of the parks now have great online stores that you can buy those souvenirs that maybe someone wished they had bought or you know they'll love. And I know that several regions have holiday parties throughout the country. And if you're looking to get that one gift for maybe a white elephant uh, exchange that everybody's going to want to try and steal, 
then that is a great way to do it. Yes, it is. And don't forget for the young enthusiasts and the old, Coaster Dynamics make fantastic wintertime projects. Absolutely. And they're also very easy to stuff into stockings. Just saying, not saying I may have stuffed it into your stocking already, Elizabeth, but maybe, just maybe. That's definitely what I love. But I also love that they ship really nicely because they're flat packed. Yes. So they're very easy to ship. They're very easy to wrap. And they're just a lot of fun because not only is it fun to build them, but then there are these beautiful displays that you can have sitting on your desk, sitting on your mantle, sitting pretty much anywhere you want, put them in a nice curio cabinet. No matter what, they always look good. They do. So there are great souvenirs everywhere. And I even saw that Opryland now has souvenirs of the past available on their website to buy. So even there's even some defunct parks that have gotten into the um, gift-giving fun. Yes, thank goodness for the internet that a park like Opryland, which hasn't been around for, what, at least 20 years, is now suddenly finding merchandise to sell again. <laughs> of course, there's also uh, folks like the, our good friends at uh, Super 78, uh, which sell Aero Development t-shirts. Now, these are the only authorized logo t-shirts because they actually own the trademark to Aero Development. They're park fans just like you and me, Elizabeth, and they were happy to uh, re-register that trademark. So if you want to get it, it's at Super 78. And then just look for Aero Development for that. So if you're looking for a really good gift for a history buff, oh man, you're, you're not going to go wrong with an Aero Development shirt. That's for sure. And I can see Elizabeth is writing this down because she's like, I'm putting that on my list. Absolutely. I am. I can't forget that one. But it also reminded me of one of my favorite gifts I got for my birthday was from Roller Coaster Styles, another um, roller coaster enthusiast who started a store and has some really fun designs. My favorite being I have a sweatshirt that says, I'm a roller coaster girl because a lot of times it's hard to find women specific items in amusement parks. So I really love that he has a women's line. Well, kudos to him. And folks, if you haven't figured out what you're going to give that roller coaster enthusiast on your list yet, I mean, what are you waiting for? That's plenty of items right there. <laughs> but check them out. And that way, your holiday shopping is three, two, one, done. That's for all the Pittsburgh dad fans out there. You're welcome, Lincolnheimer. Well, that is it for this month's episode of Ride With Us. Be sure to keep checking out our stream for our mini cast, which shows up every two weeks or so after this podcast, where we'll be interviewing Jay Jacobs, who's the operations director for ACE. You get to learn what he does and how much of his work makes your lives easier as ACE members. Well, Elizabeth, it is so much fun to hang out with you and chat. Looking forward to seeing you down at the show. It's going to be crazy, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, it is. I have packed my comfortable shoes and I am ready with a full gamut of interviews and sneak peeks that you will get only on the ACE social media platforms. So make sure you follow and set up alerts so you don't miss any of the fun. Thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you out there. Have a great day, everybody.